0: Good singing this morning, church. Thank you for that. And also, please open your Bibles. We're going to be back in the book of Proverbs again this morning. And I want to remind you uh, up until this time, we have been in a section of the Proverbs, the first nine chapters. I've said this a number of times, so you probably could say it with me. It's a cycle of speeches from a father to a son. And that's where we've been in the book of Proverbs. Now we move to the middle section of the Proverbs, and you're going to notice it's written very differently. In fact, the whole middle section is a series of little couplets, of little two-liners, and they form a deposit of wisdom on a specific topic. What you're also going to notice, if you've read the book of Proverbs, you're reading along in a chapter, and you're like, wow, I'm not sure I understand the theme because it just keeps on popping around It's maybe like a conversation in your living room that's going on one over here and one over there, and you're like, what are we talking about now? I've got to kind of catch up here, and Proverbs can often feel that way because it's switching from topic to topic. What we're going to do today is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. We're going to be taking a proverb from here, a proverb from there, both of them on the same topic, but we're going to bring together an accumulation of wisdom today on one topic, And the topic that I've chosen for today is friendship. Some of you perhaps remember when you were in grade school or maybe you were in high school. I know I had a couple BFFs at that time. One of them was Scott. And Scott and I spent a lot of time together. In fact, I was over at his house a lot. And I still remember summers because it was filled with things like, well, tennis we we'd played a, a fair amount of tennis together. It was filled with swimming. It was filled with some TV and fun like that. But the other thing I remember the summer, that it was filled with Pong. <laughs> First time that game had ever been out, and we were on cloud nine, that we could play a game that went, dink, <laughs> dink. <laughs> we thought it was Amazing. And it filled hours of our time during the entire summer. And, you know, if you remember back to those days, they were the glory days of gaming. You know, maybe not. It's much better today, but you get the idea. Your best friend. Think back. Your best friend was the person you wanted to spend time with. They were the person you explored with, you confided in. Yeah, you even had to forgive or maybe be forgiven from. There was a person that uh, you spent so much time with, you learned so much from that person, you learn important things in life, like how to communicate, how to share, yeah, how to forgive, and how to value another person through a friendship. You get older, and friendships change. They're not the same as they once were, They're not about summer and popsicles anymore. They're not about watching TV. Friendships, as you get older, I think become more complicated. Friendships are crowded out with all kinds of adult responsibilities, like actually raising kids or like keeping a job. I mean, those are adult responsibilities that we all have to learn to do and do well. And that can crowd out some of that fun, and just fluid time that you felt like friendships were just like on all cylinders. Did you know that Americans right now are facing a serious friendship shortage? In fact, some are calling it that we are in a friendship recession. And it's especially true, perhaps, with men. There's a study that was done very recently, and it tracked the friendships that men have And they said we were waning already before the pandemic, but then we went through the pandemic, and really things began to decline even more. Half of men in this study said that they're dissatisfied with the number of friendships that they have, and 15% declared that they have no close friendships whatsoever, and that was a five-fold increase since 1990. So American men especially, and maybe women to a certain extent also, are experiencing a friendship shortage. Why are friendships perhaps more difficult right now than they have been before? Well, one theory is that the workplace was the spot where a lot of both men and women, but perhaps especially men, they found the workplace to be the spot where they could develop friendships. Well, things have changed at the workplace. People are working longer hours in general. They switch jobs more often. And as you know, the workplace is not even the workplace anymore. It's all remote, or much of it can be remote. And that has created some strains on the ability to actually do something like create a friendship. If we have a friend, if we, if we don't have a friend, rather, what, what are we really missing? Maybe we're asking the question, You know, is friendship really even worth all of the effort? If we uh, ask the question, why is a friend so important? Proverbs 18.24 begins to give us an answer. And this is what Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And what that proverb is telling us is that we all know that there's a certain number of acquaintances around us. There are people that we know by name, we know a little bit about, but we wouldn't consider that we know them at a real soul level. And that wouldn't be necessarily in the true friend category. It's more of an acquaintance category. And what we've learned and we know perhaps intuitively is that if you really face some difficulties in life, that's shallow and those are not the people that are necessarily really with you. They're not the people that are going to stick with you when the sledding gets rough. But if you have one friend, one close friend they will stick with you during those very difficult times and this proverb is saying they'll be sticking with you even closer as it were than a brother so i'm going to argue today that friendships are worth it and i'm going to start off with a very simple premise today as we wade into our verses that we're going to collect from the proverbs here's my premise today my premise today is if that you want to have more friends it starts with being a friend. If you learn how to be a friend, it will yield most of the time that you have more friends because those two are connected together. So I want to talk to you today about how to be a good friend. I want to talk to you today on things that you can learn, skills that you can possess in order to be a better friend to those around you. Again, we're going to pick up five different Proverbs today and five different ways, five different essential things that you can learn how to do in order to be a good friend to others. And so we're going to work on us a little bit today. And let's start off with the very first skill to learn. The very first skill to learn is to listen or to learn, to, to learn how to be a listener, Proverbs 18, verse 2 says it this way, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And we've all been around those people. We've been around those people that you can't get a word in edgewise because all they want to do is talk and tell you their opinion. And all of a sudden, they finally ask you a question. You're like, wow, okay, finally, I get a chance to say something. And then they insert themselves back in and start to answer the question they gave you. And it's like, what is going on here? And it's just fatiguing. If you want to be a good friend to others, you need to learn how to listen. You need to learn how to ask good questions, and you need how to give, learn how to give space so that your friend can actually contemplate and answer and fill that space with things that matter most to them. You've got to give them your full attention. No looking at your phone while they're talking, no you know, playing with your hands or something like that. You're looking at them, you're engaging them, you're giving them some, something that's really valuable, some attention and some of yourself at that very moment. In this proverb, it's stated in the negative because it says, a fool doesn't have time for listening to others. All they have time for is giving their own opinion. And a fool is that person who never desires really to understand because all they want to do is say what's on their mind. And that kind of person usually doesn't have many friends. Other times, oftentimes, we only listen long enough to formulate what we're going to say. That's what we're doing is we're listening, but we're kind of formulating what is our next thought. And so I have a little challenge for you as you are building a friendship with somebody And my challenge for you is to listen to them intently enough so that you could repeat back to them what they just said, perhaps in your own words. That's actually a fancy psychological term called reflective listening. But it's a great skill in order to be able to build a friend is to be able to say, you know what I think I heard you say was you were really upset with the way Keith treated you. Is that right? Oh, yes, that's right. Let me tell you more about that. And that's that aspect of listening and valuing somebody in order for them to be able to tell you how they're really doing. Now, this is not the only place in the Proverbs where it talks about this idea of listening. It's not the only place in the Bible that talks about this idea of listening. James chapter one is a, perhaps a great spot for that. James 1:19. know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And so we are to be those kinds of people that build friendships around those ideals. We're going to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Perhaps you've heard the old quip, it's better to keep silent and have people think that you are stupid rather than to open your mouth and eliminate all doubt. (laughs) That's a good reminder for all of us. We need to be individuals who are slow to speak. Before my son graduated from college, I gave him a challenge. I said, John, what I, I want you to do is I want you to learn something about business. You're getting ready to go into the business world. You have a business degree now. So I want you to get together with some guys that you know. I know. So I'll set you up so that you can go have coffee with them. And I want you to go and just ask them some questions. Questions like... You know, what business are you in? And what training did you have to get into it? What do you like most about your work? What's something that you would change? Would you do it all over again? Would you choose the same career path if you had another choice? And he said, Dad, that's a great idea. I'll do it. So I gave him names and, and warmed up the contacts. But then he called, made all of the arrangements. And over the course of about two weeks, maybe three, he met with, I think, like 10 different, 10 different people. And he came back from all of those, and I would always come back and say, you know, John, what are you learning? And one of the things that John learned repeatedly, (laughs) and he said this, Dad, this is just always the truth. He said, you know what? People like to talk about themselves. (laughs) What, What a great reminder. People like to talk about themselves. And if you'll just give them some space with some listening, you'll be surprised of how much you'll learn, and you'll be surprised at how far that goes to actually building a friendship with somebody else. If you want to be a good friend, learn how to listen. That's skill number one. It's wisdom from God right out of the Proverbs. All right, the second skill that we need to learn is not to be easily offended. Proverbs 15, verse 18, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he was slow to anger, quiets, contention. Are you somebody that's slow to anger? Are you not easily offended? You know, we live in a day and age in which people seem to just have short fuses. In fact, I just read this last week that in Muckleteel there was an act of road rage. This guy in a car or a truck, I don't know which one it was, got so angry with a motorcycle that he rammed his car into the motorcycle They took the guy off to the hospital that was on the motorcycle and they arrested the guy that was obviously in the car. We just seem to be in a time in which people, again, have short fuses, they're easily upset, they're easily angered, and that is not a condition that is conducive to building friendship. Friendships require all of us to be individuals who are not easily offended, and we need to have friends in which we are looking out for their best interests. We can say and do things that oftentimes are hurtful to each other. And so we need to be obviously giving the benefit of the doubt in those times. We need to be individuals who are not easily offended when those kinds of things happen. If you have a friend and you're one who's not easily offended, what you're going to do is you're going to hear something and your mind or even Satan might be saying, Oh, wow, think this about him or her. You know, that was a no good statement they just made. And you're going to be now having the posture in your heart of saying, hold on a second here. I know that individual. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt in this moment. And so you're going to want to think the best of somebody. Let let me just tell you, uh, somebody who does this uh, among all the people that I know the best is actually my wife. And my wife will so many times slow me down and say, time out, you do not know the whole situation and you do know that person, and that person has over a long period of time done good, said good, and so let's just pause for a moment and let's believe the best until we have reason to believe otherwise. And I'm like, man, that is just wise. I just need to listen to that woman because what she's telling me is really right right now. I think that uh, there's somebody that says it quite well. His name is George Eliot. And and when you think about being this individual that just thinks the best of others, this is what he says it feels like. He says, Oh, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but to pour them all out just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, and then with the breath of kindness... Blow the rest away. Isn't that the kind of friend that you want to be with? That, 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 that's their posture. They're not going to quickly judge you. They're, they're, they're not going to quickly, you know, just condemn everything that comes out. But they're going to say, man, just let me listen. Let me weigh that with you. And, and, and let's, let's act on what it is there that's really on the, the depths of your heart. If you want to be an individual who is a great friend, be somebody who is not easily offended. Number three on our list, a skill that we need to have in order to be a good friend is, and this is maybe uh, also in the speech category but it's or the relation category, but it's telling the truth. Proverbs 27, verse 5, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words of a friend. Uh, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A friend is one who tells the truth. And they were, they're the ones that if you were in a room and you had spinach in your teeth, they would discreetly tell you that. Or maybe, you know, you'd have a booger in your nose and they're like, hey, you know, hey, check it out. And, and, and they're not doing that in a way that's gonna out you. You're not doing that in a way that's going to like embarrass you. They're doing that very quietly. Why? Because they have your best in mind. That, that's, they really are, are wanting your best. And so they're going to actively, again, tell you the truth In the proverb, it says here that the person who is profuse with, profuse with kisses is like an enemy. Why? Well, that person is like the person who all they want to do is give flattery. They want to tell you how great you are, how everything you do turns to gold. You're just awesome. And so they're just constantly telling you these things that are really not true about you. And I'm here to tell you that is not real love and it's not really what a friend is all about. A friend is speaking the truth, but doing it in love. Perhaps I could paint a little picture for you here in order to help you understand this. Imagine you take your car into the garage or into the shop to have a routine tune-up done on it, and the technician comes out and he says, the car is in great shape. Clearly, you have an automotive genius to take care of your car. Later in that day, your brakes don't work and you find out you're low on brake fluid and you could have died. You go back to the shop and you say, why didn't you tell me? And the technician says, well, I didn't want you to feel bad. Plus, to be honest, I was afraid you might get mad at me. I want this to be a safe place where you feel very loved and accepted. You would be furious and you would say, I'm sorry, I didn't come here for a little fantasy ego boost. I came here because I want my car to work and I want it to work right. So I need the truth. Friends are like the car technician. They at times will tell you the truth that you need to hear. And again, I'm not saying that you go blasting away. That's not what I'm saying at all. Anytime we are telling the truth, the Bible says, God says, we are telling it with two things, gentleness and love. So every time we're going to go tell the truth, that's what we're couching it in. But we're standing with people when they're making some very big decisions of life or they're maybe struggling with something mightily, and we're the ones that are there to say, wow, what would it take to forgive your wife right now? What do you think it would take to love your son right now? Mm, how do we deal with that really difficult person at the workplace or on the team? How do we deal with that right now? And you're the one that's entering in to that time of truth-telling that is so important to your friend, not as a way of tearing down, but as a way of building up. And what? who else is there to do that other than a good friend? A good friend has that valuable opportunity of speaking the truth with love, but always it's coated with gentleness, and it's coated with love, and so we have the opportunity to do that, to tell the truth. All right, number four on the list, the fourth skill you need to learn in order to build friendships is comfort. Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We wish we did not face adversity, but we all will in life. We will all fail a test. We will all not get a job we really want. We will have a girlfriend that breaks up with us. We will fail, fall ill at some point in our lives. We'll lose money in a bad investment. We will fail ourselves. We'll fail others around us. We are going to have moments in which we fail, and that is the very moment that enters in friendship, your friend who stands with you during that time of great trouble. In fact, I would say this, you will know who your best friends are more in adversity than when you are succeeding. You will find out who your true friends are when failure has happened and somebody needs to come around to pick up the pieces. That's when you'll find out who your true friends are. And a true friend is there to stand with you and provide you comfort. Many of you have had the experience or maybe you're in the experience right now of having your teenager that's learning how to drive. Denise and I had that rite of passage with both of our kids and we'll never forget our oldest, Megan. She got to 16 years old and she got ready to go, you know, get her driving test and and get her driver's license. So she passed the written test and then she got scheduled for the driving test. Well, I drove her, I can't remember why I was willing to do that, but I did. And I drove her to the DMV and uh, we parked the car and she got in line to go meet the person that was going to administer the test for her. I went and got back in the car and I was just waiting for her. And I noticed she got back rather quickly and she got into the car, you know, looking like she was a little upset, maybe on the verge of tears. I said, everything okay, sweetie? She said, no, it's not. And I said, what happened? And she said... We barely got out of the parking lot. I was turning on Highway 99, four lanes of traffic. I got ready to make the turn, and the driver, the test taker, said, just stop right there and go back. And she said, well, what, what happened? He said, well, there was a pedestrian all the way on the other side that was just stepping into the, uh, the, the, passenger, the, the pedestrian lane, the sidewalk. That's what it is, the sidewalk. And she said, uh, that's an automatic fail. You, you don't even drive any further. It's an automatic fail if you in your driver's test. There's somebody in the walkway, and you make a turn. So she came back. She's very upset. I'm, I'm trying to just console her on the ride home. And it's like, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. You'll take the test again. It'll all be good. But we got home, and that's when I realized what she really needed at that moment. Denise stepped forward to her. Denise gave her a big hug. And she said, that stupid test guy. What does he know? And what a ridiculous rule. And Megan was just like, yeah, that's right. She was just feeling so comforted, so affirmed. I was like, man, I just kind of missed that one, didn't I? The emotional quotient just wasn't there. Needless to say, uh, my daughter probably experienced that most because that's one of the first things she'd ever failed at. This over a little overachieving daughter. I mean, she just everything she did, she was just A here, the S, you know, past that. And so this was a major failure for her. And what she needed was at that moment comfort. Men, let me speak to you for a minute because perhaps this is an area if we're going to build friendships, we need to excel at even. More, There are some recent statistics about men and friendships. I have a little graph up here for us. I know you can't see that at the top, but it says emotional support from a friend. And at the bottom, you'll notice that there's three little graphs here. Number one is received emotional support from a friend. So men who are surveyed very recently, 21% said that they have received emotional support from a friend compared to 41% of women. So we receive emotional support from uh, our friends half as much as women do, and women still even have ways to go beyond that. Let me move all the way to the right. You shared personal feelings or problems with a friend. Women, about half of you do that. Men, only 30%. And of course, then we'll go to the middle one here. You told a friend you loved them. Men, only 25% of us on average do that. Women, about half of you If you want to build a friend, you need to know how to comfort and you need to know how to share emotion. And that might just start with actually telling somebody that you want to share something important or that you want to hear something that's important from their lives. It might tell tell somebody, I'm so glad you're in in my life, you're a friend. And you know what? I count this a real honor. I love you for that. And so, again, we're starting to share the words and we're starting to enter in so that we can build those friendships and so that real levels of comfort, real levels of emotion are okay to share and that they're there and perking along and building things well. All right, there's one more thing. The fifth and final way to build a good friendship is perhaps the most important, and it is to walk with God yourself. Proverbs 16, verse 17, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies, to be at peace with him. And the Proverbs is saying something to us. When you are an individual who is following God, you're following his ways, even somebody as remote as an enemy is somebody that you can be at peace with. Why? Because God is in the midst of of bringing you along, of, of carrying you along, and his ways and his goodness are what's flooding out in the midst of your relationships one of the things the scripture says is that when we are walking with God, the fruit of the Spirit is evident with us. In fact, I have a little tree up here. I want you to see the fruit of the Spirit. And again, there's things that naturally as we walk with God start to come out in all of our relationships like love and joy and peace. And I ask you this question, who wouldn't want to be around that? I, I, I want to be around people that exhibit those kinds of things in their lives. I want more time with them. And anytime we're those individuals, it's like a magnet. It's just like, wow, people want to spend time with us. Part of walking with God is learning also how to be honest with your friends and how to tell them how you're really doing. There's, there's so many times, I think, that we at church, we kind of come in and we have this idea of faking good. That oh, I'm at church, so I've, I've got to pretend everything's okay. Really not okay, but I'm going to pretend it is so that everybody you know, doesn't get the wrong idea about me. If you want to be a friend, you're learning how to actually have people enter into the struggles that you're leading. The ways that you're trusting God to work in the midst of something that's gone wonky and it's not right. And so that is the opportunity that you're inviting individuals into in order that they would support you through that. But you'd walk together in that and you'd find out how God's working even in times of great difficulty. If you want to be a good friend, you're going to walk with God yourself, and you're going to talk to your friend about what that is all like, and God is going to be giving you the resources in that moment to be a great friend. All right, let's begin to apply these to our lives, and it all perhaps begins with a desire to be a a good friend and the desire to have a good friend. And I was reminded this week from uh, Pastor, uh, let's see, was it? Oh, that's it. Michael Woodruff. I don't know him personally, but I read this about him this week. And this is what he said about friendships. He says, Americans are good at many things, but being friends and sharing life is not one of them. Our iconic figures, the cowboy, the police detective, all always seem to ride alone. They don't have time to be slowed down by a partner. He says, I first realized how narrowly most Americans view friendships when I was traveling with a Brazilian leader. He started a thriving seminary. He planted many churches. He'd written books. The man could make things happen. As we were off during one, in between two of our meetings, uh, I said to him, what do you say we get a cup of coffee? He said, really? We have time for that? Wow, I'm honored. That would be great. I was thinking, I don't know why he's so thrilled as I... I passed my way through the drive-thru coffee shop and he said, Ah, you Americans, I feel so sorry for you. I thought you were asking me to be my friend. I thought you were asking me to sit together and to share life. Do you know that most of the world operates that way? And we are rather strange in the world's eyes that we don't. That we don't seem to have a real priority for making a friend or being a friend and carving out the time for that to happen. Here's what I want you to hear today you need a friend. And chances are good that the friend that you need is pretty close to you all right now. You don't have to look too far in order to deepen some friendship that's maybe an acquaintance to the level of being a true friend. And all of us can improve again on being that kind of friend. It's simply a matter of expressing meaningful actions. And we've learned what some of those actions are. Listening, not being easily offended, telling the truth but always doing that with love, comforting, and walking with God ourselves. Perhaps what I could lead you to do right now is to get into your mind right now who that individual is that you would like to develop a deeper friendship with. Maybe it's somebody that you already know, but it's like, you know what? With a little intentionality, I bet that individual, and I could really hit it off and go to a deeper level, that would be beneficial to them and beneficial to me. Get in mind right now, who is that individual, and how might you move towards them in being a better friend and engaging with them. You know, Jesus calls himself a friend of sinners. And every time we take on this mantle of being a friend, we are fulfilling one of the highest callings that Jesus gives to us. Friendship is vitally important to Jesus. I'm challenging you be a better friend today, Lord. We are thankful that Jesus, you've called us your friends. Once upon a time, you said we were just servants, but now we've been entered around the table. We've been called by you to be friends of yours. And wow, what a high calling that is. Lord, help us, empower us as your church to wade into this important arena in which we might sometimes, you know, put onto the back seat, onto the back burner of actually being a friend to somebody else. And I pray that it starts with us today. It starts with the actions that we take. Thank you for my friends here. I know they all want to know you, serve you, and be friends with you, God. And I pray that that would manifest itself in real ways to those